Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Namihi nui. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ is produced by science communication student at the University of Otago, Karthik Sivanandam. He's on a quest to find out more about our relationship with urban green spaces. On one of my evening runs in Dunedin, I ended up in the city's town belt. Within a few minutes of my departure from an urban setting, I was surrounded by a vast, wild green space. The sunshine coming through the thick green foliage. Rich melodious bird calls, the mild breeze, a tiny stream and the rustling leaves. I came back home, refreshed and relaxed. I looked at my daily life with positivity and enthusiasm. I realized connecting with nature is an experience that can bring great joy and vitality to our lives. Public gardens, parks that are located well within city limits are known as urban green spaces. With walk paths, lawns and benches surrounded by trees and bushes, these places provide a ground for recreation, relaxation and a chance to appreciate nature. As we walk from the streets of the city towards the town belt, the sounds change along with the scenery. I listened. Sounds of cars, building construction and human activity slowly change into rustling of leaves, bird songs and kiruru beating its wings. Immersed in that experience of listening to natural sounds, I wondered how do people perceive the urban green spaces around them. I'm Audrey Alexis Heiser. I'm doing a PhD um, that looks into how people relate to green spaces around them. My motivations for this project probably stem from childhood experiences such as cycling in the park or along the beach with my dad, as well as weekend trips to the nature reserves in Singapore. Audrey is based at the University of Otago and her research is part of the People, Cities and Nature program that aims to connect 
urban Newslanders to our wonderful native biodiversity. I started my um, bachelor's in liberal arts with a major in mass communication and thereafter started working at the National University of Singapore as a research assistant in freshwater ecology. And part of my job involved um, public engagement. So um, this interaction with the public and sharing about the environment inspired me to further explore how scientists can better communicate with the public about their research. So I meet Audrey to have a chat with her about her research. Okay, the working title of my project is Engaging People in Biodiversity Management, Exploring the Convergence of Cultures. So I'm basically looking at how people of different ethnic backgrounds, how they relate to green spaces in an urban setting. I'll basically be um, surveying participants across three cities, that's Dunedin, Auckland and Wellington. And I'm looking at working age adults, which is probably um, age 21 and above. I'm also looking at various backgrounds, various socioeconomic status, and the ethnicities that we are currently looking at are the New Zealand Euros, Chinese, Maori, um, Pacifica, Indians, as well as recent migrants. That being said, I'm also looking at a subgroup of LGBTQ plus and women because I want to explore further what is their sense of green spaces based on their identity as such. So hopefully when we compare everything, we can see a certain trend or a similarity based on how they relate to nature. So information I'll be collecting from my participants consists of their names, their address, such as the suburbs, their age range, where they stand on the gender spectrum, country of birth, ethnicity, and so on and so forth. Um, going deeper into the aspects of my research, I will then ask the participants about their use of private green spaces, such as their gardens, um, what kind of activities they do there. And going beyond their house, I will be asking them questions about their use of um, public green spaces um, around their neighbourhood or if they prefer around the university or workplace. Audrey carries out a mapping activity with the help of maps and aerial photos. In the map, their place of residence is marked out. Now, from the place of residence, they will point out to me the green spaces that they visit um, around their neighbourhood. Now, if they don't visit the green spaces around the neighbourhood, they are free to choose other places, could be near their workplace or near their school. After they have picked out their um, green space, we'll be exploring the reasons for their visit. So it could be, is it an intentional visit or an incidental one? Um... Or is it a shortcut just to get to their destination or do they use it like as a form of escape or to get in touch with nature? Another thing that I will be asking them is their mode of transport. Um, so it could be from their residence to the green space or from their workplace or the uni to the green space. And it could be like, do they walk there, cycle or drive? I'll also be asking the participants the um, types of activities that they can engage in at the green space. So do they have picnics there? Um, do they carry out bird watching, um, nature appreciation, kai collection? Or is it family time, like they take their children out to play? So what's the top choice of place in Dunedin so far? So from the data I've collected from my participants, just a quick eyeball would be um, Ross Creek turns up to be quite a favourite, as well as the um, lower gardens. The botanical gardens? Yes, the lower botanic gardens. The experience of connecting with nature is more than just visiting a green space. It's also about the encounters with plants and birds. 
Now, going deeper into the um, questionnaire, I will also be looking into the participants' encounter with plants and birds. Now, why birds is because we see them around as, as, as we are just going about our daily activities. And they are easily identifiable um, by sight and by sound as well. So, here we have... Um we have a collection of birds, so it's 16 birds that are equal numbers of native and exotic. You laid out a sheet with photos of 16 birds, birds that can be commonly found in urban gardens and areas. The tuwi, the kariru, silver eye, fantail, just to name a few. And for the exotics, we have the house sparrow, we have the blackbird, starling and the greenfinch. So participants will be picking uh, five birds that are familiar to them, right? Yes, that's right. And once they pick out the five birds, they would then rank them in terms of the first bird being the most familiar to the fifth being the so-called least familiar, but they still know what it is. So Kartik, what about like I carry out this um, exercise with you and if you could pick out the five birds that are most familiar to you, would that be... Yep, let's do it. The most familiar bird would be the sparrow and then the silver eye. They've got different species in India but they look very similar. Down the list on number 5 would be the tui because I know the bird but I don't get to see them very often. Well Karthik, in fact your responses are very similar to what my other participants have said. So a lot of them have mentioned the house sparrow as being number 1 because it's really all around. And, um, well, not only by sight, they also mentioned that they have actually heard the bellbird around, like, the green spaces that they visit and even in their garden. So, yeah. And the participants will also be able to pick up plants that are familiar to them. So, here we have, like, um, the same mixture of native and exotic. We have the maple, we have the camellia, rhododendrons, hydrangeas, the kofi, hebe... Manuka, cabbage tree, flax, well, just to name a few out of the 16. Like, I've seen uh, many of them in the gardens. Which one is the top choice of the participants? Now, the top choice that my participants pick are usually the native species, such as the cabbage and the flax, because you can find it in public green spaces as well as home garden. And the New Zealand wood pigeon is also known to feed on its fruit. My participants pick up the kofi because it's known to be um, a good source of food for nectar-feeding birds such as the tui and the bellbird. In addition to the familiar plants and birds, people's preference to a certain type of landscape of the green space is also collected. So my participants are shown six habitat types such as the garden, um, open public area, parkland, recreational paint, which is, uh, as you can see here, it's a playground. Residential streets and a woodland. So, um, with each habitat, they're given a range of photographs, which is um, starting from a very manicured landscape to something that looks a bit wild. And from these four options, they would have to pick a photograph that appeals the most to them. Now, this um, survey is relatively long, as my participants not only have to answer basic information, they have to answer a series of Likert skill questions. However, as we approach the um, visual part of the questionnaire, such as the selection of photos um, of birds and plants, as you, Karthik, have done earlier, I realised that um, this visual tool enhances the interaction between me as a researcher and the people taking the survey. So while they are looking at the photographs of the flora and fauna as well as the landscapes, it almost feels as if they are outdoors and experiencing it there and then. 
So with all these information gathered, um, we hope to be able to get a better sense of the people's use and value of urban green spaces and what their motivations are um, that encourage them to use these spaces as well as to conserve and restore them. Well, the great thing about urban green spaces is that we don't need to travel um, far or trek in the deep woods for our nature dose. Now, in fact, nature can be experienced right at our doorstep, in the neighbourhood, in our daily commute to work, whether we are walking or taking the bus. It really all depends on how mindful we are of the living things around us. Renowned naturalist John Muir said, all living things make music with their lives. With urban green spaces, we are not only offering a home for many species to live in and make their own music, we are also giving ourselves a great chance to engage and appreciate nature. We'd like to thank Yolanda Van Hesek and Claire Freeman, University of Otago. We'd also like to thank the staff of the Centre for Science Communication, the University of Otago. This is Karthik signing off. Thank you all for listening. Thanks, Karthik. Karthik Sivanandam is a science communication student at the University of Otago, and he produced that podcast with Audrey Heiser. I'm Alison Balance, and this is an Hour Changing World podcast from RNZ. To listen again or find out more, just head to our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash Hour Changing World. Thanks for your company. Bye for now. Matewa.